0: Society, welcome back to the Sassy and Saved podcast, where kingdom meets culture, tackling real topics and real issues from the kingdom perspective. If this is your first time, welcome to the society. You can keep up with us on Instagram at sassyandsaved.co. And before you head out, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. So y'all ready? Let's talk about it. So do you guys not get tired of having a take on everything, like, every day? I just want to know. I really just want to know. A critical spirit is killing my people, and we need to talk about it today. This past week on Clubhouse, there was a whole room about Mike Todd. And as you know, this is a Mike Todd Stan account from now until forevermore. And the room was talking about whether he's doing too much. For me, it was very interesting to see people's perspectives and to hear what they had to say. But it was really an eye opener for me and really a reminder of how judgmental of how judgmental we as Christians can be. I was telling a friend of mine the other day that if I wasn't already saved, it would be really hard for me to be saved in 2021. First of all, this is a Mike Todd stand account. I have to say that again, because um, I just think Mike Todd is so brave for the way in which he preaches the word, the things that he he does, the boldness, the connection with culture, just the way he is and, and the way in which he delivers his message. I think it's so bold and so brave, especially in this time, because obviously it's not conventional. So a lot of people in the faith will look down on him and say that he's doing too much, which they indeed they are. And if I wasn't saved right now, Mike Todd would be the type of pastor that I know that would reach me. Not none of this stuff that is going on right now. So that's why I have so much respect for him. But um, more so than that, like with everything that has happened in the body of Christ from 2020 till now, the different exposés and people being exposed and things coming to light and so much false doctrine just running rampant, it would be really hard for me as an unbeliever to be saved in 2021 and I actually really applaud anybody that is chasing Christ and trying to get to know Christ in 2021 and 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 committing to this walk because it's it's actually not easy it was a lot easier back when I did it but I I can't even imagine what it's like in 2021 trying to figure out the truth of God's word trying to find the truth of the gospel and just trying to get close to Jesus and so I really just, I I respect and applaud Mike Todd so, so much. But I was telling my friend, it would be so hard for me in 2021 to come to the knowledge of Christ simply because of how Christians are. And I know our faith is based on Christ and not the people, but let's be real, okay? Let's be real. Christ is in heaven, okay? And the people are who we interact with. And in in so much as we want to say, like, people that come to church or leave the church, leave church because of people or leave the faith because of people were never really chasing Christ. That's not that true because at the end of the day, when you go to work, if your boss is bothering you constantly, harassing you, judging you, bullying you, belittling you, you're going to quit. But you came for the job, not the people. So why would you quit? So that is not a good example. Like I think we need to stop making those types of excuses for our trash behaviors for our trash behavior as believers because it's just not right. I don't think it's fair to say that somebody that leaves a church or leaves the faith because of people is not after Christ. But I do think instead, I think we need to be more intentional about how we treat people in the church and in the faith because it's clear that people fellowship have a really big effect on a person's commitment to this walk. So how about that, I'm Apple? Christianity in 2020 is hard. I mean, like... Christians are just, uh, let me say some, not all. Some Christians are just, uh, like, um, one of the things that I see running rampant right now is the major, major confusion about sacred and secular and how, and even if the two worlds collide, people need to understand that some of the things that we deem as unholy or worldly are simply is simply just being down to earth. Because we kind of break up, and I posted a thread about this yesterday, because we kind of break up life into two parts. It's either sacred or it's secular. But life is going to be more than that. Like, it's it's not going to be, everything in life is not going to boil down to sacred or secular. It's not. But that's the way that we view things. And so, Like, there is a major confusion about what is sacred and what is secular. And there's actually a whole, like, thing going on on Twitter right now, which is hilarious. I've been laughing all day where people are like, oh, should Christians go to a secular (laughs) water? Should Christians eat at a secular restaurant? Should Christians drink secular water? Should Christians sleep in a secular bed? And so on and so forth. But it's, it's just a play on words and it's just like a joke to show that if... We are separating sacred from secular. If you make it, if you bring it out of like music and the minute fine things that we talk about in church into the real world, it actually doesn't make sense. But back to Mike Todd's room. So there's this room um, of Christians. Christians have made this room and they're discussing whether Mike Todd does too much is he too over the top with his examples if he's too over the top with his messages with his words and so on and so forth and it was really interesting to hear what people had to say it was even funnier when Mike Todd's brother came into the clubhouse room and was listening to what people had to say that was when the tone switched up like 360 is it 360 or 180 180 the people that were coming talking big with their chest all of a sudden they tried to change their tone and act like they weren't being critical because his brother was in the room and all I'm saying is like if you want to roll with the big dogs roll with the big dogs like if you have a lot to say talk with your chest but if you're gonna try to pipe down because you know someone close to him is in the room then shut up like in actuality Anywho, they were talking about his examples, if they're too over the top, if he does too much. And I was sitting there and I was thinking about it because, you know, like none of these people go to Mike Todd's church. I have yet to hear a person that goes to Transformation Church complain about Mike Todd. Every single person that has something to say about Mike Todd and Transformation Church and how Mike Todd preaches never goes to Transformation Church, usually has never even attended a service. But... They have so much to say, but the people that actually sit under him, under his ministry, they're fine with the way he teaches and with his examples. Isn't that crazy? Imagine sitting in your house, not being called to a man or his vision, not paying tithes to the church, not being one of the souls he's accountable for directly, criticizing his obedience to the Lord. If you don't like Mike Todd. Don't listen to him. Listen to your pastor. Like, I don't understand. Like, do people forget that you don't go to Mike Todd's church? Like, when God calls a man and appoints a man, especially over a church as a pastor, they're accountable for their flock, which means that every word that they preach and what they do is for their flock. It may bless you on the internet. It may bless you wherever you are in the world, but all the words that he preaches and puts together, and and what the messages God gives him are for his flock, which you are not. So if you don't like it, don't watch it. Like, do you understand that my dad is like he lives in Tulsa, which means that a lot of these people that are critiquing him, you literally have to like wait for Sunday. Type in www.youtube.com, type in Transformation Church, wait for the pre party and the countdown sit down, go through praise and worship, listen to the word, and then critique it. But you actually don't have to. Like, isn't your pastor preaching? Y'all are not on YouTube? Are y'all not on YouTube? Like, I don't understand. Like, I can't for the life of me understand how you can go through all those steps, go through that whole process just to come and critique what he's doing. If you don't like it, then don't watch it. And even in addition to all of that, you actually don't know what goes on behind closed doors in his church. It is not fair, and highly immature for you to base your opinion on a man of God, his ministry, and his church off a two-hour sermon once a week on YouTube. You don't know what goes on for the rest of the week. You don't know what path methods they have for believers in the church. You don't know how they disciple. You you don't know. You actually don't know. All you know is the two-hour word that you hear once a week on YouTube. And that is not enough for you to determine how effective his ministry is, especially when you are not in it. I feel like Christians are just so entitled, like, in 2021. Like, it's too much. So judgmental, so entitled for nothing. In the room, someone was talking about how every time they have listened to Mike Todd, they haven't been spiritually fed, like the word is too low the word the word is too low like the word is not at their level which i found to be completely ignorant and a little bit stupid because first of all the bible literally tells us that as believers we feed at different levels we start off at milk and then we evolve into solid food paul would tell the church in corinth that he he used to feed them with milk because they were not ready for solid food and they were still not ready so it's a process from the point where you come in and you feed at milk to growing into more solid food and into more deeper things, right? So the Bible literally says that we feed at different levels. But even more than that, like when I, think about, um, when I think about my own personal life, there was a time where I used to be like that, where I used to say like, oh, this person's word is not deep enough or I don't really get anything from this word or I don't really feel when this person preaches. And the Holy Spirit convicted me one day and said, like, isn't it not the spirit of God that inspires a man or a woman of God to give a word? Isn't it not God, the spirit of God that gives a message to a man or a woman? So it doesn't matter who the vessel is coming from, to be honest. The same way that untrained men, as the Bible would describe, these untrained men were able to lead many to Christ and were able to preach in the absence of Jesus Christ. Untrained, okay? Shows that it doesn't matter what vessel the word is coming from because the word is inspired and coming from the spirit of god and so if you cannot receive a word a message from the lord because of the vessel that it's coming through the issue is not them the issue is you pride do you remember when you first got saved them times you were not worried about how a person was preaching or what they were preaching or who they were preaching to, you were not. <laughs> all you were focused on is Jesus Christ. You didn't care about what this person was preaching, how they were saying it. You didn't even know the difference between sound or false doctrine. You were just so enamored by Jesus Christ and you were new in your walk with him and you were just blown away by the message of salvation and you didn't care about all these other stuff. But now, because you have grown wings, somebody say you have arrived. You have arrived. Because you read your word and you've been in church and maybe you're a leader or you maybe have a little position or a title, elder, deacon, pastor, whatever. Now, because you've arrived and you've grown in Christ, all of a sudden you are judging jury over how other believers should or shouldn't live their lives or minister to those around And so you're criticizing others while doing nothing because it's usually always the people that are doing nothing, the least that have the most to say. Isn't that crazy? Do you know, like, do you know how prideful and ignorant it is to assume that everybody is on your level? So because a person is giving a message that you feel is not on your level or your level of spiritual maturity, all of a sudden they're not good. Do you know know how prideful and how ignorant you must be to expect every spiritual message to be tailored to your level and your growth? So as you grow, the messages must increase because it's you. Like, does that make sense? Do you know how entitled that is? Do you know how entitled it is to expect the messages or the culture of a church to move at your pace of growth within Christ, your pace let me let me emphasize the your pace. Do you know how entitled that is? I think a lot of times we forget that the bulk of our walks as Christians is not in church. It is a personal walk, which means yes, we go to church, but we only go to a church once a week, even if your church meets more than once a week, twice a week, three times, even if it meets all seven days of the week. The impact that it will have on your walk in the few hours that it meets is not as much as what you put in behind the scenes. This faith, this walk is a personal journey in which you cannot be sustained simply on what happens in church. It doesn't matter how often your church meets. You can't. You need to put in work by yourself. You need to spend the time by yourself reading and studying your word. And that's different for everybody, really. Some people read their word once a week. Some people read their word once a day. Some people read their word twice a day. Twice a day. Some people read their word five times a day. And so the pace in which you grow pretty much directly correlates to the time you put in or the effort that you put in which means one person may grow at a slower pace than another person but sit in the same church because of what they do behind the scenes so how then can you be so entitled to think the word must grow at your pace because think about it in the flip side if the pastor is busting out deep theological revelatory teachings each and every week and you're not there yet, you would not receive. And so any seasoned pastor will tailor their method and their message to fit the congregation as a whole. Understanding that, yes, there are some more seasoned sheep in my flock. Understand there are some people that are on solid food, some people that are on milk, some people that are in between. And as they pray for insight, wisdom, how to run their church, and ultimately a message, the Lord will give them a message tailored to the flock, which if you're in the right church, it will even no matter the level the message is at, it will speak to you in some way shape or form and so a lot of these things that we say that sound really spiritual like oh this is this word is not deep enough or Mike Todd doesn't preach deep enough or or so and so does ministry this way or whatever you think it is it's actually just being critical because it's not it's like it's not that deep it's really not it's usually 9.9 out of 10 times you as an individual just being critical it's you as an individual having a heart issue being critical being self-righteous and ultimately being prideful Holiness that leads to pride is not holiness and that is where a lot of people get it confused because they think that they're being so holy and they think that they're being so righteous and so they adhere to the law so much to be holy and righteous but it actually ends up in pride and holiness that leads to pride is not holiness. You become unrelatable and unreachable when you are led by the law. And this is why the gospel is one of love. And I know a lot of people are going to get mad at this because they don't like it when we say that you should be relatable and you should be reachable, but you actually should. So many believers are unreachable and unrelatable because they are led by the law and their devotion is fully to the Bible and not even to Christ. They are literally doing what the Bible says word for word, no context, just vibes, not even understanding what the scriptures actually meant, not actually properly studying the Bible to see what it means. what what it means and what it was teaching before applying it to their life. A lot of eisegesis going on and not exegesis. That's a topic for another day. Neglecting that Jesus was 100% human, like 100%. Therefore, he was fully immersed in the culture of the world in that time while still being fully submitted to the will of the Father. If Jesus lived in 2021 many of y'all would consider him worldly or secular let's talk about that because it's not talked about it's not talked about enough let me tell you why jesus did not go to church and the super saints would have a problem with that because why aren't you serving in a local church why aren't you in a church online church is not true jesus did not go to church where do you see that jesus was a regular attendant of the synagogue Where do you see that in the Bible? That Jesus was a regular attendant of the synagogue. Where do you actually see that? Jesus also hung out with sinners in their spots, which in 2021 might be a club, might be where are the spots that people deem sinners hang out. I don't even know anymore, but let's use a club. That might be a club in 2021. Jesus would be literally in a club, hanging out with sinners, doing his thing. And a lot of Christians today, would be shook because, huh? So many Christians are able to understand and recognize Jesus as God, but not recognize him as man. Jesus was a man. Like the Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. Sin is disobedience. Disobedience is a choice. When there is a law, you either obey or disobey disobedience is a choice. Jesus did not disobey. He did not make the choice to disobey, but he was a human. Every way he was tempted in the way that we were tempted. He faced everything that we faced as humans. And I need you guys to understand, and this is going to trigger a lot of people, but actually take it in and think about it, that your humanity is not unholy that it is not unholy for you to be a human. It's okay for you to be a human. And that is where the confusion between sacred and secular comes about because we try to make everything sacred and try to put away from everything that is secular, which is not possible. And I posted that in my thread. It's not possible to completely separate yourself from your secular life because secularism is anything that is not... That, that does not have a basis or foundation of religion, anything. Your job is secular, okay? <laughs> That's why the joke is so funny on Twitter. Your, your job is secular. It's, it's secular. Are you going to separate yourself from your job because it's secular? You can't completely separate yourself from your secular lives, from your secular life. And so you must understand that your humanity in and of itself is not unholy. It's okay to be a human. In so much as we are not of the world, we are in the world. So we need to be humble. But for some reason, we just can't understand this. And you see, this is why people don't like us. Because I I told y'all, if I was not Christian, I wouldn't like i I don't even know why i said that because even me as a christian now i still don't like some of y'all but like if i wasn't christian i really wouldn't like some of y'all some of y'all i have to like because you know christian but if even now as a christian some of y'all i really don't like but i get why the world cannot get behind christians and i posted this before that in the church we value anointing over character we are enamored to see a person move in the power and anointing of God. We are enamored by the titles that people carry, prophet, pastor, teacher, etc., etc. But in the world, in the world they value character over anointing. They don't care about your title. They don't care what anointing you carry. They 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 look at they look at your character first to even be a gateway for them to relate with you in which you can then let your light shine or evangelize. In the world, if you have bad character, people won't even listen to you. You could be the most anointed person in your church, in your city, in your office, in your community. If your character stinks, nobody's gonna talk to you. Then who are you evangelizing to? How are you gonna show off this anointing that you have? How are you gonna, how are you gonna win souls? If nobody will talk to you, how tell me how, but we, we don't realize this because in the church, we value anointing over character. A person can have terrible character, but as long as they're anointed it's fine in the world. It's not like that, but we forget that we're not called to win the church. They're already saved. They already know the Lord. We are called to win the world. And so we need to be mindful of this. And use the methods that the world relates to. We need to focus on character. And that is why the basis of the message of the gospel is love. God in his wisdom knew that the world would not receive anointing, but they would receive love. Yet, we as believers, Christians, have failed to understand and grasp this concept. And so, We do well in anointing. We have anointed people. We do well in keeping the law and and doing all the religious practices that we think make us righteous, but we fail in the area of love. And so we are unable to win the world. We are unable to evangelize. We are unable to win souls for the kingdom because we have failed in the love portion. And I think it's very relevant in this month of February that we discuss this. Because the root of it is pride. We can dance it up as much as we want. We can say, oh, as you grow in Christ, as you mature in Christ, certain things. We can bend and dance it the way we want. But the root of it is pride. Nothing is new under the sun. So this is very similar to what was happening um, in the church of Corinth in the days of Paul. And so Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 8 verses 1 to 3 now about food sacrifice to idols we know that we all have knowledge knowledge alone makes people self-righteously arrogant but love that unselfishly seeks the best for, e- for unselfishly seeks the best for others builds up and encourages others to grow in wisdom if anyone Imagines that he knows and understands anything of divine matters without love, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God with awe-filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude, he is known by Him, and His and as His very own is greatly loved. That's the amplified version, cause I'm all on my amplified tips right now. Amen. God bless the reading. Of his word. Paul is talking to the church of Corinth, okay? And he is saying that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The more you know, the more puffed up you become. It's like when you were in school, if you didn't really know a concept, like if you didn't really know something, When the teacher is asking questions, you're looking away. You're not trying to make eye contact before she picks you and you make a fool of yourself. But if you know the answer, you will put your hand up because knowledge puffs up. It gives you a confidence, a self-assurance, the more you know. It's natural. It's normal. And Paul would tell the church that knowledge puffs up, but it's love that builds up. What What was happening at the time is that some of the Corinth believers... Thought that knowledge was the true sign of spirituality. That sounds a little familiar, right? It kind of sounds like what's going on in this day and age. Nothing is new under the sun. like when do you grasp that? The same things they were dealing with then is the same things we're dealing with now. but the, but the early believer, but the believers in Corinth they really thought that the more knowledge you had, it was the true sign of being spiritual. and so they thought the more you know, the more spiritual you are. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowledge without love is lack of knowledge because the whole thing is based on love. Love is the basis of knowledge for a believer. When you love God, you live in relationship with him. Love is the basis of everything in our walk. The, of, the basis of our salvation, the basis of our conversion, and the basis of our transformation. The Bible often likens our relationship with the Lord to an earthly relationship. And I love that because it helps me really understand certain things. In the same way, in the same way, love romantically in a relationship will motivate you to grow, to change, and to compromise for your partner. Likewise, love for God motivates one to grow, to change, and to compromise for the Lord. The same way when you're in a relationship with a human being on earth, you want to do things to please them or you seek you seek to please them or it's God's love that transforms a person. Obedience is a response to love. It's because of love, the love that you have felt from Christ, the love of the message of salvation out of love Out of love, he saved you. So out of love, you respond in obedience. And the more you come to know him and spend time with him, he begins to rub off on you and you lose your appetite for the things of the world. You lose your appetite for the things that don't please him and you become one with him as he becomes one in you. So to be a critical Christian is pretty wild because, because yes, you know the scriptures. And yes, you know what to say and what to do. But do you have genuine love for people that aren't there yet? Do you have genuine love for people that are not yet at your level or the standard that you have set? Keyword, you. A lot of Christians out here are trying to play assistant Holy Spirit and God does not need your help. Like, God does not need your help at all. Every single person I have seen come to Christ, it has never been because of deep breath. I have never in my life heard a person say, yeah, I decided to come to Christ. I decided to give my life to the Lord because I heard a deep revelation. Never, never. If you have heard that before, that's fine. You can let me know. But I have never in my life heard that. Every single Story message of salvation has been about the love of Christ, the sacrifice on the cross, the fact that He died for us. A person either had an encounter with them going to hell, a, dr- a encounter, a, a person either had a, an encounter with the Lord, a person either heard a message of salvation, they came face to face, came face to face with themselves. What, what have you, but every single salvation story has been because of the love of Christ, not the deep revelation that we seek, which shows that it's not our revelation that converts people to become believers, it's his love, and because we are the expression on earth of his love, we are the people that come in contact, we are the gateway for people to come in contact with his love. We are the invitation into the kingdom. We ought to portray said and such love in all we do. We're so busy, worried about titles and worried about position and worried about the law and worried about what somebody should be doing or not be doing or how they do this or how they don't do this and criticizing others and looking at what our neighbor is doing instead of just loving When, friendly reminder, unbelievers don't know what the fivefold ministry is. Like, they actually have no idea. If you go to an unbeliever and say like, yeah, I'm an apostle, they'll be like, oh, okay, what's that? Like, they actually don't know. They don't. It's only people in the church that know, again, who are already saved. But unbelievers, they have no idea. They don't. I saw a quote today that said, sin is not the problem of the church. Lack of love is the problem of the church. Like, what actually gives you the right to stand and criticize somebody's obedience? To stand and watch another believer and see what they're doing and criticize their obedience. I've tweeted this so many times now that in the body of Christ, we are all called to different things. There are different functions, different anointings, different people to reach. And so within the body, God has given different functions, different anointings, different graces to reach the various people that need to be. If everybody was prophesying, there would be a void in shepherding. If everybody was pastoring, there would be a void in teaching. If everybody was teaching, there'd be a void in evangelism and so on and so on and so forth. If everybody was on stage, there would be a void in logistics. And so God has given different graces, different anointings, different gifts, different talents to reach all different types of people to bring into the kingdom and to aid the kingdom. And so just because a person ministers in a way that doesn't necessarily appeal to you doesn't mean it's not impacting someone else or the person or group of people that they are sent to. And when you criticize what God has called, ordained, sent, and anointed them to do, you are criticizing somebody's obedience You don't know how God deals with a man or woman. You actually don't. You don't know how God speaks to a man or woman. You don't know the burdens God places in the heart of a man or woman. And just because it's not conducive, beneficial, or enticing to you does not mean it's not to somebody else. You will literally be speaking ill against a person God has called criticizing people ob- obedient, criticizing people's obedience if you fail to take into account that we all have a different role. And God don't play about his anointed. So if I was you. Furthermore, if you have time to critique what others are doing, you probably ain't doing enough. When I think back to the times of my life when I was like really critical, because I mean, we've all been there. This is not something that is, that is set up for certain people. We all have, we all constantly should be checking our hearts to make sure that we are not being critical. And there have been times and stages in my life when I have been a critical Christian, when I have been a critical Christian and I've looked at certain people, certain ministries and certain believers and been like, yo, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? That ain't it. Why? Because knowledge puffed me up and I really had to check my heart, repent and realize when the Holy Spirit convicted me, In reality, if you are criticizing how other believers are doing their walk, it's usually because of joblessness. Like you actually are not doing enough. So are they doing too much or are you not enough? When I think about it, the amount of things that you have to do in a day, the hours are actually not enough. Like between being between building a career, working a job, running a business, building an online women's community, being a daughter, being a sister, being a girlfriend, being a friend, being an employee, being a coworker, all the different roles, all the different hats you have to put on. On top of the different tasks you must accomplish, on top of just being a good Christian, like top of being a good member of society, on top of feeding your spirit, on top of stimulating your mind, uh, there's so much to do before you not come and pray for your presence, for your future, for the people that don't have salvation yet, for your family members. There is actually not enough time in the day for you to complete every single thing you need to do in your life. So much so that you need to spread them among days so maybe on one day you do this and then the next day you do this and next day you do this just to uh, uh, just to fit everything that is required of you into your life so There is no way that you finish all those things and then have time to turn and look at what another believer is doing and criticizing it. If you have the idle time, it means that you are jobless. You are not doing what you're supposed to do. There is an area in your own life that is lacking. And that is why you have the idle time. So lest we check our hearts that is lacking, there's an area in your life that is lacking. There's an area in your life that you're not even paying attention to. Even if, by for some reason, you do accomplish everything on your list, you do, you also have the job of evangelism, and there's always souls to evangelize to. So you actually don't have time to sit and critique other people. You actually don't have time to sit and watch and study what somebody else is doing. Because your plate is full. And if you do have the time, that means there's there's something that you're not attending to that is on your plate or should be on your plate. Because you don't. And so you worried about the wrong things, love. In 2021, every single day has been a day of repentance for me. Every day, I'm like, oh my God. Lord, I repent over this. Lord, I repent over this. Because I constantly see an area in which I failed. I constantly see an area in which I I didn't reflect his love, his light. I constantly see an area in which I let my flood lead me. There's always something to repent about. And trust that if somebody is walking with the Lord, the Holy Spirit will do his job and convict them. And so he does not need you operating as a Holy Spirit junior doing it for him. If something so bothers you that somebody else is doing... The best thing you can do is pray for them. And if you're not on your knees praying for them, you sure as hell better not be talking. Let's quickly talk about a critical spirit before I wrap up. A critical spirit is one that passes judgment on others, is always fault finding, has difficulty seeing the positive in a person or a situation because it's always blinded by the negative things. I'm talking about those people that see a person and can pick out all the negative things about them, but un- but are but are unable to pick out the positives. And my personal favorite are compelled to give their critical point of view or perspective. There are four types of critical spirits that we find in the world and church today. Number 1 is the gossiper. The gossiper is the one that is privileged to information about people and proceeds to reveal that information to others with sinful motives without their knowledge or approval. Number two is the the slanderer. The slanderer is a person who makes false statements in order to damage a person's reputation. They don't care about the truth or correcting an error. They create error in order to inflict harm. Next is the judgmentalist. A judgmental person has an excessively critical point of view, characterized by a tendency to judge harshly. They lack empathy for others' viewpoints because they believe their point of view is the right one. They believe they have the ability to know others' motives. <laughs> And they have an amazing skill to point out others' mistakes while minimizing, while minimizing their own. And last is one of the most common that people often overlook is the complainer. The complainer is a person who habitually is negative about others and the circumstances of life. They are characterized by discontentment and ingratitude. And so we have the gossiper, the slanderer, the judgmentalist, and the complainer. If you find yourself in any of those categories habitually, you have a critical spirit. And that is something to pray about. But even if you don't find yourself in those, beware when you seem to notice everything that is wrong with a person, with a church, with a group of people, with a pastor, and with other Christians. As I wrap up, I want to remind us that Jesus, the greatest teacher in the world, had more knowledge than any of us ever will. He came down to the level of the Pharisees and taught. Not from a place of authority or condemnation, but of love. And to the people that are walking in obedience and being criticized and critiqued. Be true to yourself and who God has called you to be. And know that not everyone can accept the full weight of who you are. Also know it's a blessing to sleep well at night knowing that you're walking in obedience, whether people listen to you or not. I want to close out with scripture and my scripture of choice is Romans 2 verses 1 to 3. And the Bible reads, Therefore you have no excuse or justification every one of you who hypocritically judges and condemns others for in passing judgment on another person, you condemn yourself because you who judge from a position of arrogance or self-righteousness are habitually practicing the very same things which you denounce. And we know that the judgment of God falls justly in accordance with truth on those who practice such things. Remember that we are no different from anyone in the earth, from anyone at all. We are literally the same as unbelievers, with the same weaknesses, the same struggles. It's just that we have chosen to live with God, to walk with God. But we ought not look down on anybody else or puff ourselves up, thinking that we know better, simply because we've grown a little more. And so I ask that we all check our hearts today today. And constantly to make sure that we are not operating from a spirit of criticism, to make sure that we are not being self-righteous, that we are not operating in a critical spirit. It's very, very easy to slip into that place. Pride is the most sneakiest thing. And you may not even think you have pride, but, and sometimes we don't even think we have pride, but we really do. Pride is so sneaky the way that it just seeps into your life. But at the point where we begin to look down on others because of how they do things, because we don't think it's right, with no knowledge of what God has said to them, with no knowledge of what their assignment is, with no knowledge of who they're called to, with no knowledge of how it is helping and impacting others, without asking questions, just simply making assumptions, we are operating out of a critical spirit. I pray that this episode will inspire you to check your heart today and ensure that you are not operating in a critical spirit. And most of all, repent of any pride that may have seeped into your heart. Until next time, sassy and safe, baby.